podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Frank Benali. This is Klaus Lundekvam. I'm Matt Letizia. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is Milverton and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84. Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, in that Number Podcasts on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to in that number podcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe and give us good vibes. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of In That Number. We are back after an unexpected layoff. A lot has happened since we last recorded. We've drawn against Palace, had a fantastic boxing day in the capital against West Ham. A great draw at home to Spurs. Uh, Games against Brentford and Newcastle were postponed. The long-awaited takeover confirmed and a third-round FA Cup victory against Swansea on Saturday We shall discuss all this throughout today's show, but we'll mostly be covering the Swansea game and we'll discuss at length the takeover, of course. Uh, With me, as always, is my co-host at the Moscow Mush, Kevin Milverton. Kevin, title? Dragon's Den. Like it. It's aimed at the owners and not so much that win in Swansea. Uh, But Mush, Happy New Year. Um, Yes, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas um, (laughs) and... Uh, well, it was Christmas again yesterday uh, for us here in Russia. Oh, Merry Christmas again. Uh, is it OK to still be wishing people a Happy New Year? I'm not sure now. Um, I mean, this, I don't know what the cutoff point would be. Well, I mean, we haven't spoken to our listeners since then. So Happy New Year to all our listeners as well. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah. Um, and I hope you've had a great start to your, your new year. And I hope your resolutions are still intact, if you have any. No, broken before they even started. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I had to, I had a great, a great, uh, Christmas period. Um, wasn't disrupted too much. Decent, lazy New Year. We get the whole first week of the year off, uh, here in Russia, the Royal Public Holidays. Uh, so it was just a, a chance to, you know, catch up on all the stuff that you've been putting off for the previous year and, uh, yeah, just, uh, have a bit of a relaxing time and, uh, spend some quality time. That's good. That's good. It's good. And so, so we're all recharged, ready to go for this uh, for this final stretch of the campaign. And as I was saying, Kevin, a, a lot has happened. You know, they say a week is a long time in politics. Well, you know, a month is a long time in football because our last recording was on December the 13th. Um, I don't want to say it, but since we took this little hiatus, the club has been undefeated uh, and we have a new owner. I mean, are, are we the problem? <laughs> yeah, I think there's a, a, maybe a problem with our... Correlation and causation. 
But, you know, I, I just think it's weird. You know, we were talking about how, uh, what's that football cliche, the games, they come thick and fast around this period. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've taken almost a month off and we've still got only, what, three three league games to talk about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because of, because so of COVID. Because of COVID, it's, it's fine. Um, well, <laughs> not just because of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> more, more on Newcastle in a bit, I guess. But um, in our, our last recording, we were thumped three 0 by Arsenal, and then we thought our festive period was going to be tragic. And anyway, it's been the complete opposite, though, isn't it, Kevin? Really, because you, you look at the point against Palace. Okay, it's a point at Palace. Uh, three points against West Ham. That's that was fantastic. I mean, nobody expected that. Uh, a point against Spurs, which which you were present in in Southampton for. Uh, so that's five points from nine. That's fantastic. And, you know, that Boxing Day, well, I'm going to go back to that because that was just terrific and it was just a nice Christmas present. Yeah, we like a Christmas miracle, don't we? I remember beating Chelsea when we were down and out. Um, that was a couple of seasons back, wasn't it? Was it yeah, um, that was so... Femi, wasn't it? Oh, God, yeah. Mm. Yes. Well, I guess we'll get to talk about him in a bit. As well. <laughs> we will, yeah. Um, but, yeah, as we mentioned, the two games that were postponed as well, Brentford and Newcastle. Of course, the Brentford game has been rescheduled for Tuesday night. And, again, we'll talk about that. But uh, the Newcastle one is a little harder to believe. And it was a late decision. And, Kevin, I know you've been outspoken about this fixture. And I want to give you the chance to get this off your chest. Oh, fucking hell. Well, you know, I, I, if you really wanted me to get this off my chest, we'd have needed uh, to talk to about a week about ago about this. Obviously, calmed down since. But, yeah, I mean, clearly it's just... Gaming the system from Eddie Howe and Shariah FC. The fact that they had nine players out and only three with COVID. Um, and, you know, given the size and the depth of the squad, you should be able to fill a team with uh, just nine players out. Um, maybe not this season, but we've been dealing with injuries like, like most teams have. And we've just been getting on with it. You know, we've got a good rotation of players and there's an understudy for every position. And we've got players that can play in multiple positions. And the club's been taking um, unprecedented precautions to try and stop COVID from spreading throughout the team. And it's been working. We've seen in the last week or two that there have been the odd COVID cases, but they haven't spread beyond that. Um, So, yeah, we've had... Three, I think, COVID cases, yeah, in the last week or so since that, um, Newcastle game. We haven't been postponing any games. Um, yeah, it just, it shouldn't happen. And clearly everyone's called them out for the fact that the, the match was supposed to be, you know, just beginning of the transfer window. By getting the game postponed, they, they shift then either to the middle or after the deadline closes. So it gives them time for all of their, um, blood and oil millions to be pumped into um, a load of mercenary players that they're going to bring in to try and try and beat us at that. But you know, uh, Kieran fucking Trippier had a, a fantastic debut last night <laughs> against Cambridge United. Yeah, um, they put out a, a so-called full-strength side just a week after um, this Newcastle game was postponed. And, yeah, now they're out of the cup and they can focus on uh, the important thing of getting relegated. <laughs> yeah, I know how angry you were about this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hark back to the NBA because a lot of my, as, as you know, I watch a lot of American sports. And everyone's going through this, this, this pandemic and every single team in the NBA is in the same boat. And every single night they're missing their superstars and they are still carrying on with the games. They brought a record 
uh, a number of players up from the G League this year. A lot of players have been coming up and they're playing, you know, but some of them are playing out of position, but they are still getting on with it. And everybody's in the same boat. That is what it should be like here. You've got the players to do it. Yes, they're not going to be experienced. Yes, they may have to play out of position sometimes, but you still have to get on with it. And it always seems like the bigger clubs are kind of, you know, Liverpool as well. They'd complain about, you know what Jurgen Klopp's been like. They've got a massive yeah. squad. They've got to be able to deal with this. Bring up the youngsters. You're supposed to have these academies that can deal yeah, with like, it. Deal with I'd it. I'd like to see Thomas Tuchel um, try and moan about it as well. And they could probably, you know, they could probably field an entire league from the squad that they've got with all the, the youth players that they've brought out over the years. But yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, the, the, we had uh, an entire season under the conditions of the pandemic. Um, last season and the season before was curtailed and I don't remember maybe it's just my memory but I don't remember any games being called up and if there were it wasn't on the scale that it is now okay there's a lot more cases now but surely um, the clubs have had time to put the correct protocols in place and to expand their squad uh, it's not not like it hasn't been coming as well you know you knew this was coming and you know, the only difference I will say is that they've had, you know, the five substitution rule in the Premier League last season, which would have helped. But I guess clubs now don't have the players to bring on more subs. Is what well, yeah, it's like we've, we've been punished for our own foresight, which is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And, and, and Ralph's been outspoken about it again now, saying that they shouldn't be allowed to, to field the players that they sign after the transfer window is closed. I mean, do you agree with that, or are you just like, no, nah, fucking bring it on, let them, let them have whoever they want. Let, I mean, Kieran Trippier's not going to stop anybody, is he? Um, okay, I mean, I, I, I try and look at it from, from both sides. Um, on the one hand, the, the anger in me says, yeah, fuck them. Um, any players that they sign in the journey transfer window, that's what it's there for. It's in the middle of the season. Uh, you play each of the teams once, you get a transfer window, and then you play each of the teams again. So if it's shifted to beyond this in the second half of the season, they should be like cup tied. Um, on the other side, I think it can be difficult to implement, uh, especially, you know, considering outgoing players. And, you know, we might even bring in a player that we would fancy playing against them. Tough. Never know. Um, beyond that, also, we would have had, so Mohamed Salisa would have been um, suspended for this match, as would uh, Carl Walker-Peters. Yeah, but, I mean, OK, fine, keep them suspended. Let, like you said, keep, keep them cup-tied. Um, well, I mean, if we look at it just like that, so you've got the, uh, a choice between having um, us having two players that are not eligible and Newcastle being able to play Kieran Trippier, I'd say let them put fucking Kieran Trippier. <laughs> yeah, that, at the moment you would, but if they go and sign, give me a more realistic player, Kevin. Um, would you be feeling the same way then? <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think I think that um, you know, I'll obviously wait until the end of the January transfer window. But you know, I don't think they're going to get any you know absolute superstars that will be able to change their fate instantly. Um, I imagine that you know, given Eddie Howe's um, record and punch, they'll end up with somebody like Dominic Solanke. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what's worse, Dominic Solanke or Callum Wilson. I mean, you know, even without Salisu, I'm pretty sure we can handle that. On the treatment table, they act about the same, I think. But to add insult to injury, uh, a certain breed of Newcastle fan, and they're a fairly big club, so they've got a lot of fans, um, but that also means they've got a lot of fans that are cunts and just acting as such on Twitter, <laughs> goading us and uh, 
and being quite selective in their logic um, about you know how rich their club is, but it's not really owned by the Saudi state. It's owned by their um, foreign investment fund. Shut up. They let them think that. But they can think what they want. Um, yeah, I'd love it. I would love it if we beat them. I love it. I love that too. Uh, I fully expect that fixture to be shortly announced to be played on Wednesday, the nineteenth of January, um, before the international break. Because so that in, in between, in between the, the Wolves and Man City game, you're thinking, yeah, yeah, that'd be the ideal time to have it. And uh, otherwise, you know, we're going to be looking at February before we'd be able to play them. Yeah, I suppose yeah. you're right. I suppose it could be squeezed in there because we don't want them to get too much uh, steam ahead of them. I know they're. At the moment, they haven't got a lot being knocked out of the FA Cup by, you know, League One Cambridge and all, but still. Well, look, if they're, if they're able to play now, it should be our prerogative mission to say, right, let's play tomorrow. Fuck it. <laughs> you know, you cancelled it with 24 hours notice. We'll give you 24 hours notice before the pictures. Fuck yes. Kevin, I really wish you were in charge of the FA. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you know, I think maybe the, the people who make these decisions, because it's, as far as I know, it's Southampton's initiative, you know, that would have to be. Um, they're probably going to be, uh, you know, a little, a little bit more kind and uh, forgiving than, than I am. That's true. <laughs> we shall move on. Um, a reminder, if you appreciate what we do and you feel like you'd like to buy us a pint, then please head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. And of course, you can become a member as well. Uh, we have our tiers for beers, so you can check that out on there also. But again, if you just want to give us a one-off payment, we accept anything. would be really, really appreciated. Um, anyway, Kevin, shall we get to the ITN news? We've got lots to go through here. Sure, let's do that. This is ITN in that number news. OK, then, ITN news. We have to start with the sad news that Sam McQueen uh, has had to retire from football at the age of 26. De- desperately sad news. It's like we were only just discussing him um, when you came over for the Spurs game, weren't we, Kevin? I was saying that he, I hope he gets a loan move out, try and get some fitness back and, you know, hopefully can get a move, you know, for a lower league team, maybe. Um, but it was never going to happen, sadly. And we probably knew it was coming, but, you know, the, the reason for it was the infection in his knee. Um, he, you know, he had nine surgeries from November 2018 to July 2019. And that's just awful for the lad. And after his last surgery, he was um, rehabbing at the club six days a week. You know, he was in the pool. He was in the gym doing everything he could, working so hard to get back to it. And, you know, and it all comes down to retirement. It's It's a horrible story. And, and I hope the club continues to support him and, and give him exactly what he needs afterwards because he's given his all for this club and it's time we do the same for him. So, yeah, really, really sad about that. And there, there's a really emotional read on, on his story. I think it's on the website still about his surgeries, about his personal problems with his family. And but yeah, please go and check it out because it is definitely worth a read. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking, um, really. Um, the, the video they put up and the, the film and the, just the whole story. Um, yeah, I mean, feel, feel really sorry for him. Cause it looked like, you know, he was just about making his way back into squad. He went out on loan to Middlesbrough, didn't he? he seemed to be doing reasonably well there and you thought that yeah, he was somebody before, that we might. Just before that infection, the first infection, wasn't it? Middlesbrough. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you, you might um, might see him come back, but you know, 
in in the grand scheme of things, um, this is a reality for a lot of um, lads that go into professional football. Not everyone can make it and play it at the top level. Um, he's had his moment in the limelight. He's had his career cut short uh, early, which which is un- unfortunate. But you know, you like to think that being around the club for that time is given him time to maybe come to terms with the injuries and come to terms with the fact that he possibly won't play again and now we know that he won't. So, yeah, hopefully he's got something in mind for what he chooses to do to continue his career in some other way. Um, yeah, whether it's in the, the coaching side or yeah, any of the other things. Because there's a lot of things you can do in football and he's still very, very young, so he go back into education I hope that he does very well for himself and uh, we do hear the name Sam McQueen um, knocking around again sometime soon yeah he's got all the doors open for him so yeah we, the best yeah. of luck best of luck um, some better news uh, Nathan Teller's new deal a three and a half year contract at season's day till 2025 that is great news yeah yes please and uh, another extension uh, a Willie extension oh Willie extension <laughs> Um, this this is a bit. I mean, I'm, I I I was a little bit shocked by this because the the Willie Caballero extension was well. I mean, the, the the contract was only supposed to be short term. It was supposed to be till January the fifth. That's been in pass. He's extended it till the end of the season. But I mean, Forster played yesterday and played well. Uh, McCarthy back in training, uh, which is another point that I wanted to bring up. So what? what I mean, what? I mean, we still got. Um, Harry Lewis as well. Well, no, Harry Lewis and the news. Yeah, I mean, he's a bit. I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit of a joke, really, isn't it? That we've got a third choice keeper that's there theoretically for a reason, but everyone's too afraid afraid to play him. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I don't quite understand what they were trying to to do with it. Was it just like a a reward for him coming in? They just said, look, we'll, we'll pay you to the end of the season, um, but you don't expect to be playing many games now that we're getting Maka back and Fraser's playing quite well. Fraser's playing really well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's strange that it's happened so early in the transfer window. Um, but I can only think that it's there for the reason that maybe Forster was a bit of a doubt. Um, and it wasn't entirely clear what Mac is, um, when Mac will be up to full fitness and be able to play. And for that reason, it's better safe than sorry. I imagine his wages aren't massive. No, of course they're not. But, yeah, you think that with most Maka back in training and Forster actually playing, you've got two keepers. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll see um, Caviero against Brentford just to give Forster a rest so that he can play in the Wolves game. Maybe that would make sense. Yeah, I can see your point. Do your flies out. Um, <laughs> uh, what was it? Oh, sorry, I just want to quote... Um, from from our Discord, New, it was New Jersey Scott. He's saying uh, New Jersey Scott said that yeah, I, I sure hope we don't see Willie. Um, Force needs to get into the rhythm, and it's not like we need to groom Willie for a transfer or our future. Speaking of grooming Willies, <laughs> are we not we not doing that anymore. <laughs> no, no, not anymore. We're uh, we're done with the manscape for now. Anyway, let's just say um. Kevin, we'll keep you on your toes, then. Yeah, <laughs> we can keep doing those little things. I, the, the, the listeners will know exactly what we're on about. Um, Kevin, the, the main topic in this podcast is is going to be the takeover. Um, so let, let's discuss this now, then. Um, 
this is it, right? The, the dawn of a new era. Um, it's bye bye to Gao and greetings to Serbian billionaire and TV tycoon right, Dragan Sholak. Is that how you pronounce it, Kevin? Uh, yeah, yeah, show like in the show so must go on. Like showgirls. Mm. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's a takeover that's been two years in the making, really. You know, Sholak's Sport Republic have purchased Gao's 80% share of the club with the Lieber family retaining the remaining 20%. Um, the lead investor then, Kevin, Dragon Sholak of London-based firm takes over the reins then. Um, I guess we have to start with why it's taken so long for this to happen, because Gao has been understood to be wanting to sell for a while now. The club have kept us informed that they were looking for the right buyer. The fact that it has taken so long is a good thing, I suppose, and we know we're jumping in with the right partner here. Yeah, I mean, you could say that the ownership saga had been dragging on for far too long. <laughs> oh, this is good. I hope this is like this for the rest of it. Um, <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> that's good. Uh, talk to me about London-based firm Sport Republic. Um, the, the founder, Rasmus Ankerson, um, he recently stepped down at Brentford's director of football as well, and the chairman, Henrik Kraft. And also, what do we know of Sholak, you know, because... Well, wow. I mean, what I've read, I've not heard an awful lot about him. I hope he's no relation to Milan Mandarek. <laughs> what would he be? I don't know, because he's Serbian. There you go. Okay. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll keep those two very far apart. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so the yeah, the Sport Republic takeover, we said it's about 100 million quid, which seems like nothing, really, doesn't it? Same price but, as Jack Grealish. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, yeah, how much did um, Mbappe go for? Uh, was it 174? Oh, fucking hell. So, yeah, even with debt, we're probably <laughs> worth about the same as a, one player. But yeah, I understand that the, the figure was so low because they um, also were uh, buying the debt that the club was in. So um, they, they're going to not cancel that debt, but pay it off. Yes. Um so, yeah, that values the club still a little under the $210 million that Gal paid back in 2017 for his 80% share. So, I mean, to me, it all seems to work out. Um, yeah, before we go into the actual take-up, I, mean, I just want to talk about Gal for a little bit, if um, you don't mind. No, if we have to. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, I feel a little bit sorry for Gal, to be honest. Um well, I mean, if, if you look, look at it this way, um, I think he did buy the club in good faith in 2017. And for that year and a half um, from the time he invested, I mean, we, we, we were doing reasonably really well. And I think we still are. Um, we've kept ourselves in the Premier League. And I mean, think back to some of the signings that we announced on this podcast right at the beginning that first window that we had under Mark Hughes, where we got the five signings in um, so Angus Gunn, Vestergaard, Elinus, Stuart, Armstrong. Stuart Armstrong, and Danny Ings. That's not a bad transfer window at all. No. And, you know, they've done, all of them, <laughs> with, with uh, maybe the exception of Angus Gunn, have done really well for the club at some point or another. Um, yeah, most of them are left, but, you know, I, th- I think... The club was moving in 
quite a good direction, especially after Hughes left and we got Hasenhutl in. Uh, things were really looking rosy, but from 2019, the Chinese government had been discouraging investment in football, and that really meant that Gao's hands were tied and that he couldn't uh, put money into the club. It also meant he couldn't take money out of the club. I don't think that was his intention anyway. So for all of the sentiment of fucking, you know, Gao out hashtag on Twitter and everything. Um, I've never really subscribed to it because, you know, even Gao was Gao out. He wanted to get out. But I think he does deserve a bit of respect. And Martin Simmons in his interview for um, BBC Radio Silent um, pretty much said that Gao's legacy is the handover and the, the fact that he could quite easily have said, you know, just fire sell to the nearest bidder, uh, sell to any old fucker. Um, I want out, but you know he was willing to mm. to write it out and to maybe suffer some pressure from the Chinese government even, but to wait for the right opportunity to sell. Can I just jump in there when you said about mm. he had uh, good intentions with his club? I don't know if we actually know that. I'm convinced he was looking for a sun seeker and ended up buying a club instead. But it is someone that's got a football background buying the club like this uh, Sport Republic have. It, it it's it's on the right it's singing from the right hymn him sheet and Gao never had that for me as much as I'm not on the whole Gao out I've never been I'm like you I'm a little bit more conservative with it however but I do think it's important to have a football background if you're going to buy a club we just want to know that that the owners has the club at heart and not just trying to make a quick buck out of it yeah um you know these rumours have been flying around um since 2019 I think when this podcast we covered. Um, you know, a couple of rumoured takeover bids that um, maybe that they will turn out that they, you know, they were real um, bidding consortiums that went in and tried to buy the club but, but failed, like Joe the Grocer and um, your man from Bordeaux, um, whose name I've just forgotten. Yes, it was. May 2021, Gerard Lopez. Wow. You know, the, those ones, we, we were quite wary of them at the time. We didn't really think that that was some, a solution that we could welcome. Um, so yeah, the fact that they've come and gone and, you know, the club uh, management have been sensible about it and um, Gao and Catherine as well, because I understand that she um, had um, a veto in on these matters. She did. Um, yeah. That they've, yeah, they've waited for the right person to come along. And because of the pandemic, you know, that there's been basically a year where nobody was really buying everything. We're waiting to kind of see it out and see if the clubs are still going to be profitable or, you know, just um, being opportunistic. You know that when the clubs are going to have reduced revenues um, and they're making a loss, uh, that's the time you want to buy, not when they're, you know, posting record profits. So, yeah, Sport Republic. Um, This is a new, uh, relatively new anyway, um, London registered investment firm in the sports and entertainment visionary and uh, to borrow their the corporate babble, Sport Republic's vision is to apply proprietary intelligence and data analytics to help sports businesses and sports technology companies reach their full potential. Doesn't that sound wonderful? It does, yeah. That's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that, I mean, that's the whole point, isn't it, of a mission statement, isn't it? I'm supposed to believe in this philosophy. But, you know, I think that you, that's that's quite a, a commendable philosophy, at least. Um, so, yeah, involved in the takeover, you've got over... Three wise men in this particular nativity. Um, yeah, Dragon Sholak, uh, Rasmus Ankerson, and Henrik Kraft. I'll start with the relatively uh, boring uh, character um, that is Henrik Kraft. Um, he's the banker in this. Um, basically, he's the he's the, the one. one. 
He's a banker. Ah, okay. Um, so yeah, he's going to be the new chairman of Southampton Football Club and St Mary's Football Group, which is the parent company. Uh, he's the chairman and co-founder of Sport Republic, um, London-based Danish investment banker. Um, and yeah, from the official statement, he spent the last 20 years investing in technology, telecoms and media industry, including as an active early stage investor in sports technology companies uh, such as Tonsa. Have you heard of that? I have not. I thought it was, you know, a bit like um, Grinder or Tinder, but for deep throating. <laughs> but apparently it's um, oh dear. Uh, it's an app that um, helps bring data and analytics to um, the younger players who aren't followed by um, Opta or any of the big um, stats mm. companies. And apparently it's, um, yeah, it's just doing good things. Um, yeah, the other ones I haven't heard of, like Sport, like Wave TV, Hour Ring. That sounds like another sex toy, doesn't it? <laughs> Saber Health and Masters app. Um, anyway, um, Kraft spent 10 years at KKR. Now, that's uh, Kohlberg, Kravis, Roberts, which is um, yeah, a huge American global investment company. Remember that name because it will um, crop up a few times in my um, story here. Um, but yeah, he's um, a partner there and head of technology and telecoms in Europe. Okay. So yeah, he's he's the banker man, uh, Henrik Kraft. Um, now, yeah, much more more interesting and uh, I don't want to say enigmatic, but uh, yeah, more kind of a maverick character. Um, the real technical brains behind all this, uh, Rasmus Ankerson. He's the former Brentford sporting director you mentioned here yeah, between. 2015 and 2021, he was uh, overseeing Brentford's football department as the co-director of football. And his and first also, and his first home game will be against Brentford as well. Fancy that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see. Uh, <laughs> well, if he can give us some inside information because he's he's not there anymore, but he is um, still executive chairman of uh, FC Midtjylland in the Danish league, and he's overseeing some some quite good successes there that they've had in, in Europe and so on. And um, I think we know that the model that Brentford have got there is that they've got a very strong connection with uh, with Denmark in the same way that, you know, Watford and Italy, Wolves and Portugal. And, uh, yeah, we've seen it kind of over and over again, this model that can work for um, the kind of mid-table teams. Um, also, he's the author of several best-selling books on talent development, Um yeah, including that Hunger in Paradise, which I had heard of before. I didn't realise it was um, his book. But um, there you go. I mean, that, um, I think the Saints FC po- uh, podcast, they posted um, a, a TED talk by him, which was quite interesting. So, yeah, give it a watch if you get some time. Um, yeah, so those are the, the two other places. The one that we've been hearing most about is, um, of course, Dragon Sholak. And we will hope that, unlike Gao, he doesn't show a lack of interest in the club. But Kevin, my my question to you then is: Are we a pig that needs to be fattened? Uh, can I make a a Serbian analogy? Then um, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's it's a big sausage that needs stuffing. <laughs> uh, I'm not an expert on Serbian cuisine. Um, anyway, so I, I thought I'd because um, I'd never heard of him. Anyway, I'm, I'm sure the first thing that 
um, anyone did when they heard this story, they um, Googled who the fuck is Dragon Sholak and they um, came up with a Wikipedia page that told him he was a chess grandmaster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm hearing that everywhere. I, I'm, I've been putting out fires all week. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the, the lazier of the journalistic breeds, uh, have, have confused the two. Um, let's not conflate him. Uh, so I thought I'd take in, um, a deeper look at who this man is and where he came from, because not even in Serbia, he wasn't someone that people have, uh, heard of until relatively recently. And there's a really interesting article that, um, I was shown on sports.ru that, um, links to some investigative journalism from the Slovenian newspaper Dilla. And <laughs> it's absolutely fascinating. Um, I mean, we've got spy and sex scandals in here, everything. Oh, fucking hell, really? Are you not up for that? I am up for it, but I just guess now that I know what sort of a man he is, it's kind of like, I, I, I want to hear this, but I just want to forget it after I've heard it, if you know what I mean. Okay, some of it's tangential, but you know, um, if you were talking about a Serbian billionaire, you know, um, if, or any billionaire for that I'm thinking matter, about I Novak Djokovic, who's also in the news this <laughs> week. Uh, Novak's, yeah, oh, fuck him. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't think there's any businessman that can amass that amount of wealth and do it all with, um, uh, do it all cleanly uh, in a fair Milan way. Milan Mandarik, mate. Milan Mandarik. <laughs> well, that isn't the whole point of uh, capitalism that is that you screw people over as much as you can and build up as much wealth as you can. So yeah, generally these are going to well, be people with you being in Russia, mate. You've got the you've got the knowledge for all this. Um, but yeah, so if you're expecting to take the moral high ground um, with the, with this takeover. Uh, no, uh, Gao wasn't squeaky clean either, and there are definitely clubs in the league um, whose money can be traced to much, much dirtier sources. So don't be worried about that. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, he is the lead investor in Sport Republic. He's the founder and chairman of uh, what's now is the United Group of Companies. Um, yeah, he started his career in the troubled 1990s by selling pirated films to cable companies and rental shops. Good man. He's a, he's a, sorry, he's a pirate. He's a oh, man off my own path. I can get on board with this. <laughs> um, but in the club's official statement, that was worded as motion picture production and distribution company, Vans, <laughs> which he established in 1990 with a group of friends and movie enthusiasts. Right. <laughs> Sell, so, bl- hey, selling he, blue movies from the back of his bloody what's the Serbian car? Van. Yeah. Oh, Zastava or something. Yeah, yeah. you go. <laughs> you go. <laughs> I can imagine him in a Zastava. Christ. Um, from what I've heard, because I wasn't here in the Russia in the 1990s, but it was a pretty um, troubled time in the transition from the planned economy to um, market capitalism. And a lot of people made a lot of money very quickly. People had their heads switched on and were smart about it. And, you know, a lot of the billionaires and oligarchs, they, they started off, you know, like Lord Sugar selling, selling two from the back of a van or whatever. But anyway, yeah, he made his little money there. And um, through his connections with the, the companies he was selling uh, pirated films to, in 2000, he set up his own cable channel, KDS, uh, in his hometown of Kragujevac. Which is um, a city that's just about the same size as the Hamptons. So yeah, maybe he feels at home. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
In the aftermath of Slobodan Milosevic's regime, KDS became Serbia Broadband and received an investment of $10 million from George Soros's uh, Southeastern European Equity Fund in 2004, and then another $15 million from the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development in 2006. Okay, and this, this is important that... Um, during Slobodan Milosevic's regime, um, there was, you know, state-run uh, propaganda to try and try and keep it propped up. And um, basically, when that fell, um, there was a lot of investment into the country, not just to be rebuild infrastructure, but also um, to make sure that sort of thing didn't happen again. And to um, how can we put it? To put forward maybe different viewpoints rather than um, the ultra-nationalistic. Um, agenda of uh, of Slobodan Milosevic and um, people close to him. Uh, so, yeah, the, the Western money that came in, $25 million, um, this money was used to buy up media and telecoms companies all across the former Yugoslavia. And although Sholak was the registered director for the company, um, it was effectively owned by the EBRD. Um, and then, wow, that sounds dodgy. <laughs> well, yeah, this is the thing. There's a kind of um, a, a dark age, I suppose, in this history because, you know, he wasn't the money behind these deals. You know, this empire wasn't built off of um, money that he'd earned or investment that um, mm. uh, he'd brought in from, from private sources. It was from these um, uh, two uh, investment funds, basically government investment funds. Well, sure, it's this, this just sounds like we're, we're, we're getting rid of a money launderer and replacing it with a money launderer. Um, not necessarily, OK, but I mean, we're, we're only halfway through the story. And yeah, the next um, six or seven years are a bit of a blur. But over a, you know, a decade between the mid 2000s and the mid 2010s, um, Sherlock built quite a complex web of uh, over 100 companies that are registered in various tax havens across Europe and across mm. the world. So the Netherlands, Malta. Um, Cayman Islands, British Virgin Islands. Untraceable, then, is what you're saying, yeah? Um, we're not necessarily untraceable because, you know, there, there are people that, uh, if they want to come in and try and investigate it, it just makes it a lot more difficult to trace, you know, where money's coming from and going to. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dragon, sure, like, again, he was quite, not an elusive character, but, you know, he wasn't, uh, sort of person that was on anybody's radar. Uh, he only really became a public figure after the American private equity investment company, uh, KKR, that we mentioned mm-hmm. before. So, yeah, that, um, Colbo, Kravis and Roberts, uh, the same company that Henrik uh, Kraft was involved in. Uh, they are, well, I mean, they're, they're quite notorious for their aggressive uh, takeovers. Oh, sorry, and, these, these, um, are Amer- these are American, yes? This is an American private yeah, yeah. equity company, um, and yeah, they made a deal which is rumored to be about um, between a billion and a billion and a half dollars with uh, the newly formed United Group, and that basically made Dragon Shaw like a billionaire overnight. Wow! Um, and yeah, the, that, that company it owns uh, well-known Balkan telecom brands. And I was recently in Croatia, so I mean, I've seen some of these signs talking about um, Telemac is a, 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 a name that I remembered. Um, SDV, Total TV, United Media, and CAS Media. Dragon, he still has a 21.34% stake in United Group. Um, so, yeah, he, he is a, a part owner. In a, um, but, yeah, using a network of um, offshore 
uh, shell <laughs> companies, he does avoid paying taxes in Serbia. So, yeah, like I said, any billionaire, you know, Branson, um, Harry, Harry Redknapp, Jimmy Carr, <laughs> Elon Musk, or uh, uh, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, they're all doing it. They they don't. Starbucks. You know, that money is theirs. They want to keep it. They don't want uh, any of it going to governments. They'd rather not pay tax, and they can pay uh, very smart and clever people um, millions of dollars to avoid paying uh, billions in taxes. Loopholes. Um, what it's about. So, Loopholes, yeah. And, well, this kind of spy and sex scandal that I mentioned at the beginning. Um, former director of the CIA in 2011 to 2012, David H. Petraeus. Um, he's the current strategy director of United Group, and he organised that deal that we talked about that made Dragon a, a billionaire, basically. And, um, yeah... Not entirely sure of what exactly the relationship and the connection is, but they, they clearly know each other and work to, uh, together with each other. Um, but yeah, Petraeus, he was uh, a general in the US Army during the Balkan Wars in the mid-90s. Um, and then after his army career, um, he was appointed uh, director of the CIA by Barack Obama. Mm. Only a year and a half later, he resigned from the post amidst a, a scandal, which um, maybe our US listeners um, have heard of, but I, I don't remember this story, that um, he was basically having an affair with his biographer. <laughs> and me. and this, this, this is, is turning into a soap opera. Right, okay. It's amazing. Like, that's why I have to share this with you. Um, that... Um, uh, yeah, he was having a, this affair with his biography, which is bad enough, which is enough to get you sacked as um, a director of the CIA. But he also, um, that is just the way that um, he was trying to hide this affair. Because I guess, you know, if you're in one of these public pos- um, positions in the United States, like um, if you're president or you're one of the, the big, uh, what do you call it, secretaries of state or whatever, you know, all of your communications are, um, are monitored and controlled by government, so they know what you're you know, they know what you're doing so that they can't understand any dodgy underhand dealings. If you're trying to hide an affair, that's quite a difficult thing to do. So he came up with a genius plan of um, giving his lover the password to his computer where all of the <laughs> top, top secret information was on so that she could um, leave little love letters um, in the drafts in his email rather than sending each other emails, which would have been traceable. Um, so, yeah, he tried that for a while and uh, failed miserably and, uh, yeah, almost went to jail. But, yeah, now he's working with uh, Dragon in the United Group. Fantastic. Um, sorry. <laughs> so to sum up, I mean, basically, the um, I mean, the CIA um, connection is a bit tangential, but... Um, this was an article in Russian, so obviously it's kind of like their own particular um, line that they like to take with it. But I think they're just really trying to highlight the um, U.S. involvement in Balkan media and how that's beneficial to um, to the Americans. And that the current president of Serbia is not particularly pleased with um, the kind of content that the United Group's uh, media channels are putting out, um, including... Uh, in, encouraging protests against the president, uh, who ostensibly is taking a bit of a more pro-Russian line, because Serbia and Russia have got this kind of weird connection with each other. That, um, that, yeah, they, they they like to promote and they're quite proud of. So yeah, 
Well, um, that's 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 the story. This, I, I mean, I don't know how we're supposed to carry on with the rest of the podcast after hearing all this. And yeah, um, fucking, just, you know, wait for the KGB to knock my door down. Yeah, this is this is great. I mean, I, I'm going to go back to the takeover. and I'm going to go back to a Martin Simmons uh, to, to his quotes. Um, now, over the last two years, together with the shareholders of our club, we have searched for the right partner to take the club forward. Today, we have found the perfect solution for our club. Sport Republic are experienced investors, but, but also experienced within the world of sex scandals. I mean, uh, elite professional sports. That combination is very hard to find, and we are thrilled to have reached an agreement that secures our short and long-term future. We are grateful for the support of Mr. Gow and Katerina that allowed us to take our time, turn away the wrong options, and ultimately find the right partner for the future of this great club, its fans, staff, and the people of Southampton. Today, we welcome a new beginning with the new ownership group. We have found partners with ambition for the future, but with a clear understanding of what Southampton stands for and the direction we must go in now. The strategy is to push forward with plans we have in place over the last two years, but with their support, we can now do this with renewed focus and speed. So, Kevin, we've heard all the stories about the background of, of, of how they came into their money. And, and, you know, I just want to ask you now, how are you feeling about this takeover in general? You know, yeah, I mean, I just thought we could have a little bit of debate and, and take the pros and cons with this deal. Um, and I feel like, yeah, we should we should we should do that. But first, I want to hear how you feel about the takeover. Just you know, okay. You, I mean, okay. before you found out about the the, the whole this whole backstory of, of Sherlock, you know, how were you feeling when the news came out? I mean, I was really, um, I was quite I took quite a cynical view. I must say, like my initial reactions. I call it sensible, um, Kevin. Yeah, reserved, let's say. You know, let's not get There is nothing wrong with that, because I was the same. Yeah, and, you know, I, we were discussing it on the Discord straight away, and um, my point was like this, you know, look, people buy football clubs for, you know, various reasons. I mean, <clears throat> if it's as a vanity project, um, I'm not going to say it like it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing, you know, um, look at Abramovich at Chelsea, um, that's a vanity project, and and that works. You know, they're quite and, happy and, and he's still there. He didn't just, just make make more money and, and fuck off. He he's still there, winning things. Yeah, and whatever you think about Shank Mansour at City, you know, mm-hmm. he's there for the long term. Um, it's not just you know just uh, destroy an exit. They're not there to to carpet bag or anything. Um, but you know that that is a worry, isn't it? That you get um, uh, people who use. The club to asset strip or to, um, or they, they buy it with, uh, leverage debt that, you know, so they're buying it basically with money that's not theirs. Um, and, you know, Man, you Man, United, Man United. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, uh, you know, plunging the club into more and more debt. And, you know, the more and more I look into it, I think I, you have to put faith in Martin Simmons that mm. returns lot of investors away and that these are this is the these are the right people uh, to bring in and that you know they're acting in good faith they've got a good strategy and that they're thinking you know not for short-term gain but this is a, a long-term project and, I, I wonder um, if martin simmons has read his uh his biography <laughs> well again look i think if you, you dig into uh 
you wouldn't have to dig far with uh, the owners of Newcastle <laughs> to find out some dodgy. Um, but yeah, you dig into any of these, you're going to um, uh, find some some grey areas. Um, they've uh, passed the Premier League's fit and proper persons test, which means that um, the rubber stamp has dried on that piece of paper because uh, <laughs> I don't think that they'd really look into anything at all. Um, but yeah, I think the more you look into it, 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 it seems to make sense. You know, these are the right people. You've got people with um, a track history um, involved in the club uh, who've really made miracles happen at Brentford. And um, also there's talk of this multi-club model where we'd have um, clubs in uh, sure. different leagues in, in Europe or around the world uh, to be able to draw on. And this is something that, that you know the club's been doing anyway with um, their partnership agreements with Asante Kotoko in uh, Ghana mm-hmm. and uh, FC Tane in India most recently. And uh, Fine. I think there's one... <laughs> in the United States as well, is, is it either Hartford Athletic or Orange County? You know that we've got links with. I think both. I think um, Hartford. Yeah. Hartford was uh, Magic Johnson, wasn't it? And uh, mm. I don't know if we've had any direct players that have gone in between the two, but I know that uh, Richard Chaplow is now the manager of Orange County. But yeah, so if we had slightly higher profile clubs that we could, um, you know, loan our players out to consistently, and all... well, there's always Brest. Yes. Yeah, we love squeezing breasts for plates, don't we? <laughs> okay, right. I think we should move on from the from the uh, the takeover talk now. Um, uh, okay, moving on with the show. Uh, player and goal of the month for December. We will get the polls out very very soon. As I say, we've been we've been a little bit behind, but we'll, we will get to that. Um, and, and incidentally, I mean, we want to hear from you all as well, and I want all your pros and cons of, of this takeover, uh, and we all discuss them. Uh, next week so you can email us on in that number podcast at gmail.com so yeah get in touch with us um i want to hear what you have to say um a little bit of news in, in regards of the loans kevin dan and lindaloo returned from his spell at lincoln and that wasn't supposed to be the entire season uh, but he come back early um and in his time with with lincoln he's played 21 times scored the once just to, you know against wigan um, and he's now joined cheltenham town until the end of the season so don't quite know what's going on with that. I'll have to uh, to research that some more. Okay, so uh, fixtures, Kevin, for the remainder of the month of January. Uh, we've got Brentford at home on Tuesday, uh, 7.45 kickoff. Uh, Wolves away on the Saturday, the 15th, 3 p.m. kickoff. And then we end the month um, on Saturday, the 22nd, at home to Man City. And that's a 5.30 kickoff, and that's on Sky Sports. Now, you mentioned that we could have Newcastle thrown in there somewhere. Possibly be between those two, but um, tr- tricky month, I guess. You know, Brentford at home is a must. Wolves away, they picked up a lot of points lately, um, when, when they probably shouldn't have done. And Man City, you can almost write that one off. Although we did get a point at the Etihad, so you never know. Um, yeah, I think you know we were looking at that Brentford fixture as a kind of a bellwether of where to them. That's gonna be tough. They'll they'll stay above us. Um, we win. I think that would put us above them, wouldn't it? In the least, yes, it would. Yeah. Um, and uh, news on the FA Cup fourth round draw, it will be on Sunday following the West Ham and Leeds tie. So by the time this episode is out, we will have our opponents. And that tie is scheduled to be played between the 4th and 7th of February. Uh, the B team and the women's side, uh, well, they haven't played since since we recorded, so we're lucky there. Uh, but their next fixture for the B team will be Thursday the 13th away to West Brom. 
That's third place to West Brom, and that's a seven o'clock kickoff. Um, and the women's, uh, they return to National League action away to MK Dunn's next Sunday, Sunday the 16th at 2 p.m. Uh, that's important to get back on track because they slipped down to third because, you know, they played fewer games than the teams above them. That's Ipswich and Oxford. Rachel Panting's Oxford, who've won five on the trot now. Um, that's incredible. Yeah, very good. But win those games and they're back joint top, though. So games in hand are crucial. Right, Kevin, should we get into some games then? Dean Hammond's here. Thank you for tuning in to In That Number. Home to Spurs. Um, we actually got to watch the game with um, with our mate Tino as well, didn't we? Oh, yes. Yeah. We just bumped into him and said, well, you know, if you're not in the squad, mate, um, do you fancy watching from the chapel stand? He said, yeah, fuck it. Oh, that's funny because we were, I thought we were in the itching stand. <laughs> it's that little corner, isn't it? The quiet corner. <laughs> yeah. Um, he didn't, uh, do you know what? He didn't tell you about his bloody knee surgery, did he? He gave, nah, you no, he gave I, I you no him. clue about the fact that he needed surgery. He just said, kept quiet. Yeah, well, yeah I, I got, think... got a little knock. It's fine. I'll, I'll be back soon. Liar. Yeah, I think his exact words were, I've just got a little injury. <laughs> little injury? Um, well, I think it's, it's debatable. Ralph's saying that um, that it might need surgery, but they were trying to avoid that eventuality because that would be a, a longer recovery. So they're going to see if they can... Um, I try and get him back without it, but yeah, if he does go in for surgery, that well, that's him out for what at least a month. Mm, meniscus surgery. Yeah, I mean, same, same that time frame. I had that as well. I don't know if you remember, but I tore my meniscus. And, and how long was it before you were included in the first team squad? Oh, fucking hell! I was out for about six months, Kev. Oh wow. <laughs> no, I was out. I mean, I was off of work for two weeks. Put it that way. Uh, I, I was back walking again, but I was never going to be playing football again. <laughs> but these are these are elite athletes, let me remind you. So yeah, it's going to take about a month, I reckon, to get back. But um, yeah, the, I, don't, I don't imagine you'd be on an NHS waiting list. Uh, I was not. I went <laughs> private. I'll have you know. Oh really? I did go private. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so the, the so the Spurs game then it was it was one one. It was a it was another good game. A very good um very good point considering we had Mohamed Salisu sent off. That was fucking nervy. I mean, I I look. Back at that um, that first booking, um, so I'm just going to ignore Prowse's absolute screamer of a goal for a second. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, because I mean, because the whole narrative of this match is that you know we were uh, down to ten men and we still managed to come our way with a point despite playing majority of the game um, a man down. And I felt like yeah, yesterday as well. Yeah, that's the com- the most controversial part of it, I think. Um, well, there are a few controversies here. But yeah, the first Salisu booking, did you think it was the yellow? Uh, no, I just think that he'd been on it a lot. Um, he, he, but no, I think that, I mean, the referee, who was the ref? Uh, Anthony Taylor. That's it. Uh, yeah, Anthony Taylor had a really bad game. And I think he'd warned Salisu for being a little bit overzealous early on. And I just think it was a, it was about how many times he'd lunged in. And I think it was a soft yellow, but... You, I mean, you see those given, and I don't have any debates about the, the, the second one. To be honest, it was definitely a, a yellow card. That second one, yeah, I think yeah, that that was a booking. But I, the first one, um, Marina was absolutely fucking lewd. She was up in arms. His his clash with Emerson Royale. I mean, Salisu, he doesn't. I'm not even sure he even touches him, and he just just goes straight down like a sack of shit. And I'm not very good with these things in. Um, Real time, you know, I, I, I think I normally wait until the action replay to reserve judgment. 
But uh, yeah, Marine Marine is much better than me with that. I mean, she maybe has some sort of different eye for these things. But she she was just like a diving fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, and so I, so I thought, okay, he's been a bit hard done by, and um, a couple of Peters had already been booked as well. So, you know, our defence was sort of treading on, on thin ice as it was. And yeah, that, that, that clash with Son, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's, that's a yellow card, but, um, he shouldn't have been sent off for it because that, that, that first one wasn't a yellow card at all. I thought that was quite a poor decision from the referee. Yeah, but like I said, he, he was making bad decisions all game. It was just the little ones in the middle of the park. It was just like awarding them free kicks when they shouldn't have. Every time they touched him, they went down and they were getting free kicks for it. It was a very frustrating game in that sense. But second half, it was like evening itself out a little bit more. And um, yeah, it was great to hang on. We, we, we dug in deep for that game and that was absolutely fantastic. It was a great way to end the year as well. You know, three points... Uh, at, at um, London Stadium, I was going to say Upton Park, then Jesus, uh, and then a point with ten men against against Spurs was was great. So yeah, very very happy with that. Excellent, yeah, but very very nervous match. I mean, they they did get the ball in the net um, four times, and only one of them counted, and that was Kane's penalty. Um, Spurs were fairly impotent for that first half, and I think the, for the second half we dug in relatively well. I think. Something we haven't mentioned is all the different formations that Ralph's been using over this period in December. I mean, we've seen multiple formations. We've seen, you know, um, yes, our traditional 4-4-2, but um, we've gone, you know, three at the back, five at the back. Um, we saw Valerie. He was in that Spurs game. He was on the was, right wing, wasn't he? I, I think he was, yeah. Didn't he play centre-back at one point as well? Well, yeah, I mean, when Salisa gets sent off, we put him in at centre-back, so we had, um, mm. yeah, it just worked out fine. It's like, well, you know, I, I, I have uh, another defender on the pitch, we, we play four at the back. Mm. Um, and I think we just had just the right players to see it out. Um, hard-working players like um, Shane Long and Adam Armstrong, I think they, you know, deserve their, their dues there, um, just to create havoc and confusion. And yeah, Spurs really didn't quite know how to deal with it, but we did get the, the luck of the draw and a couple of the decisions. Uh, that Very came outside, so, yeah. I think, it was marginal. I, mm. You know, if, if it was us that had scored, we'd have been furious that it wasn't and, given. And the goal that they actually scored with the, with the mistake from Forster. And I'm a Forster had a very good game, but that he was lucky there because I didn't see a whole lot wrong with that. Other than that, um, yeah, but he was quite lucky that. Um, who was the, the sort of clattered into him. and it wasn't really anything in it at all. Absolutely um, not, no. I don't see why the, the, the ref didn't give it. I'm very happy that he didn't. Keepers always um, get that. Yeah, I mean, we were so nervous at half time. I was just like sort of muttering into my pint, like, well, we're going to get stuffed here. Yeah, we both said that, didn't we? We were both like, well, we know it's coming, so we just um, <laughs> just drink it away. <laughs> but yeah, very, very good point anyway. And, um, one that served us well, well, something one that we deserved, and we, you know we we took that into into the new year as well on on a high. And and uh, yesterday, uh, Saturday, the FA Cup third round against Swansea. Um, yes, uh, and, and we marched on to the fourth round, Kevin. Yeah, unlike some clubs. <laughs> yes, three two after extra time. Uh, it's never easy though, is it? And it, it looked incredibly comfortable after Nathan Redmond gave us the lead after just eight minutes. Um, 
But then, you know, on the half hour mark, Jan Valerie sent off for his second yellow. And then, you know, that changed the game, didn't it? It completely changed the way that we played. We had to sit back and not press as much. And Joel Pirro uh, grabbed the equaliser on the 77th minute to take us into extra time. Jan Bednarek with the own goal. That was unlucky. Um, Elianisi, seconds later, grabbed the equaliser. And then your man, Shane Long, with the winner on 102nd minute to secure a place in the fourth round. Oh, God, the drama, Mush. Oh, yes. It started off very well. I thought it was going to be quite an enjoyable match. Uh, but again, the thing we sort of missed at the beginning, uh, Valerie uh, booked for a foul quite early on that they didn't include in the coverage, I don't think. It wasn't mentioned, you know, you know, a graphic saying, you know, yellow card for value, or at least see the referee um, getting the card out. Didn't realise he'd been booked, so um, <laughs> yeah, when he gets the second one, I think, well, what? Yeah. I, mean, I thought straight red, straight red, white, I thought, yeah, it's just going to Red card for that? Well, <laughs> oh, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a straight red. But anyway, yeah, brilliant goal from, from Redmond. Very, very smart um, from Teller to sniff out that absolutely horrific pass that they just put across the back line. So careless. And um, really, really clever just to thread it through for um, Redmond. Thinks very quickly and um, yeah, just rolls it into the back of the net. And I I wish I'd put money on Redmond scoring because there's nothing Redmond likes more than scoring against championship opposition. Yep, and he also um, scored. He also scored against Swansea in pre-season as well, didn't he? Ah, uh, yeah. And we also had an um an own goal in that game too. So if you remember, that was three-one back in uh in in August at the beginning of August in pre-season. So yeah. Bloody hell, that's a throwback, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, you were thinking it's going to be you know we're going to go in at halftime two or three in the lap, and then it would be plain sailing. But that. Uh, Second yellow for Valerie for that, that push on Obafemi. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. ridiculous. It's not a foul. Obafemi sold that one and, uh, you know, nothing in it whatsoever. And VAR I mean, would have booked Obafemi for that, I reckon. Unless Mike Dean was at Stocky Park, of course. And there's no VAR for this one, is there? No, because it's a championship ground. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely pointless because, uh, I mean, we know Michael Obafemi. There's this no way he's getting on the end of that. He's not going to do anything with it. Um, Forster was uh, pretty fast to get to it. Doesn't need any encouraging to fall over. Um, really disappointing because I thought that they were quite good mates back in uh, when they played together, weren't they? Well, they would have been, yeah, but it's all forgotten Just now. Stitched them up. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, and then we had 50 minutes of absolutely fucking dreadful football. I just. I just couldn't watch it. Yeah, no, bit, but I mean, they hung on. They hung on well, and they played well defensively. They did what they had to do to, to win a game of football in the FA Cup, which is what was, was pleasing for me. I was really, really pleased that they they, they defended so well. Now, I don't, no, I don't mean any disrespect to, to, to Swansea here, but if you're playing against a Premier League outfit, then our resistance would have been broken a little bit earlier than the 77th minute, I'm, I'm sure. But they they did exactly what I was hoping them to do. I didn't want them to go and push the boat out. I wanted them to sit back and stay organised and make it difficult to score against. And we did that. Uh, Try and catch them on the counter occasionally would have been nice. But, you know, it kind of happened. They didn't press whatsoever. They just stood there like fucking bag of tail pins. But they they were organised and they made it difficult for them. And it worked. It very nearly didn't. But, I mean, it it did work. Thanks to to Shane Long anyway. 
you could at least try and get some possession of the ball for Christ's sake. You know, yeah, they needed to beat. They needed. We could still beat them with ten men. Well, we did. Yeah, eventually, but you know, we only had to. We only started trying after we conceded one. Yeah, you can you can see the uh, the second goal to them through through um, Bednarik, and that was it. I I was like, now nah, this is this is over. Now we're out of the cup. But then seconds later, Shane Long makes the goal for for Elianusi. Good old Shane, and you know, yes. brilliant. And then you know, and Long again. Well, I th- Long just fantastic. You know, brilliant. Getting the winner in the hundred second minute. It was a great moment, and you could see the sheer joy on his face from that as well. Not just because. Saints are through, and he, and he and he was winning it for them, but but also because of the, you know, for himself, just yes, I finally got one. Yeah, he gets so much criticism for not scoring, but you know, we know he's about a little bit. There's more to him than than that, but um, yeah, I'm absolutely delighted for him, and yeah, hopefully he can um get back in the squad and and keep scoring. Yeah. Should we go through and give our men of the matches then for uh, each of these then? Okay. Um, against Palace. I'd say James Ward-Prowse. I'm going to give it to Amanda Broyer. All right. Um, West Ham 2, Southampton 3. Well, the goal scorers were Elianusi, Ward-Prowse and Bednarek. Yeah. Um, Bednarek also cleared one off the line as well. So um, I'm probably going to give it to him. OK, I'll, I'll join you in that. So yeah, Mo Elianusi um, made quite a good comeback into the squad there as well. He deserves that. Um, an honourable mention too. Um, the Spurs match that we watched. Oh, I'm going to give it to Salisu. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, you have to give it to uh, Fraser Forster there. Yeah. I think he was incredible. Yeah, he was an absolute hero. Uh, yeah, he was. He did sort of have a sloppy handling, but he got away with that. So yeah, absolute megastar there. And uh, Swansea two Southampton three. Now, I know that James Ward-Prowse got the official one, uh, but I cannot resist the opportunity to give it to Shane because, you know, he came yes. off the bench and put in his usual shift and still looks really shifty. And he still looked like you know, a difficult player to play against, didn't he? And um, full of running. And he had that amazing run as well at the end, didn't he? Did you see he picked up in his own half and just went for it? Uh, almost set up the winner then. But he did set up Elianusi's goal in extra time for the 2-2 with that long ball. And... Um, then he grabbed the winner, so yeah, so happy for him. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a shame now. Yeah, beautiful cutback, even better goal. Um I understand why they gave it to Prousey, but um yeah, I think Long is the cup hero in the forty two odd minutes that he was on the pitch. Um completely changed the game. And uh yeah, I think if you <laughs> you compare the uh when did they score? Yeah, he came on just after they scored. Um so yeah, up to then the game had been absolutely fucking dreadful. Yeah, he he turned it around. <laughs> well done, Shane. So Shane Long's all round. Yes. Um, Kevin, shall we uh, bring in Tim now and discuss our week next week? This is Klaus Lundqvist, and you are listening to In That Number. Okay, we'd like to welcome back T Bizzle, Tim. How are you this week? Uh, life's grand. Just been working a lot, trying to stay out of trouble, trying to stay safe, and enjoy uh, what is generally good weather here for the winter in North Carolina. Yeah, what's it like? Is it snowing? Uh, on this past Monday, we had uh, a good, I would say, a light dusting, but that stuck for like an hour or so. If you drove about four hours north of 
towards Washington, D.C. There was a massive, uh, basically cars stranded on I-95 all the way up and down that they had to stay in their cars overnight on the road, which is one of the major high, major highways along the East Coast here. Ouch. Uh, so we got, we got, we got lucky. We just got, we were on that borderline where we got a little snow, but not too much. Whereas we could have gotten hit a lot worse than, than that. Beyond that though, it's been between 40s and 60s. So between three and six degrees Celsius. A bit like here, but we haven't had any mm-hmm. snow yet. A couple of frosty mornings, but otherwise okay. Um, Tim, a, a busy week again next week is always seems to be the case around this time of year. Uh, two games. Uh, the rescheduled Brentford game is on Tuesday night on the 11th. Um, that's at home. And then Saturday the 15th at Molyneux to face Wolves. Great potential to score some more points here, I think, and start looking up the table instead of down. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brentford is, well, I'd say right on par with us. They're doing pretty fantastic when it comes to their uh, first season up. Kind of similar to how Leeds did the year prior. Uh, overall, they've built a good uh, methodology for their setup, and uh, between what they would call Moneyball, their manager being fantastic, and a couple really strong players on their side. It it's going to be tough, but it's definitely a chance that we can we can scrape some points out. Good, I like I like the potential. And um, we'll, we'll start with that then. Uh, the Brentford game, as I said, Tuesday the eleventh at home, seven forty-five kickoff. Uh, nickname? Bees. Bees. Yes, I'm not going to do the famous fans because we did it before and then it was cancelled. So uh, we're going to I'm going to keep this to myself. Um, so then, the Brentford game. Uh, we have a crisis at right back now. Uh, you know, Carl Peters suspended. Tino still sidelined. Uh, Valerie out, of course. James Ward-Prowse looks like he's going to slip into right back again, which means, I mean, the midfield opens up for Diallo. He'll probably fill in in the middle unless he wants to give Smallbone a, a, a go there, which I very much doubt. Um, lots of questions, though. There's a short turnaround time. Will Shane Long be included again? And let's not forget, you know, we have Wolves next weekend, too. So we need the whole squad here with the suspensions and injuries. It's going to be pretty tough to, you know, to get get ready for this game, which is coming too quickly. Absolutely. And you don't know how everything's going to turn out with them, too. So they don't have any suspensions lingering overhead for them. Whereas with us and, like you said, our right back situation, uh, James Ward Prowse is doesn't have from reading about him. He doesn't really like playing there, but as the captain, he'll slot in just about anywhere on the pitch. It seems like and uh, take over with what uh, is truly needed. And I think it's one game because Valerie, as long as he stays well out of COVID protocol, he'll be back, and you'll have potential for KWP to come back as well. Um, so we'll find out. And if KWP is going to be sidelined with and be isolated anyways, then you just kind of get a, you, you knock it out and hopefully he, he rests up, heals up and is back to go on, um, on the, the Saturday game against Wolves. But for the time being, yeah, it looks like James Ward Prowse at right back alongside Perot at left back. Well, and they're, yeah. He, I mean, he got a bit of practice yesterday, didn't he? Yeah. Perot had a, went and did a full 120. Uh, and we had Prowse along with Ward, right back as well. Yeah, Ward Prowse had a slot in there after the 40th minute after Valerie's red card. Uh, um, Perot, though, well, again, this is a good, good opportunity for a run of games uh, if he's able to get back in, because if if Walker or if if Tino's out for an extended period of time, they're going to want to slot Walker Peters back in at right back, 
and then bring in Perot for the uh, for the first choice left back in that situation. So we'll see. Let's hope it all works out for the best, and let's just hope it's one game. I'm just hoping one game is the is the situation. So, uh, you know, what are, what are we going to expect from Brentford? They've had a rotating style of play uh, a little bit here and there. They've shifted their formation slightly here and there. Um, but recently they've played primarily with a 3-5-2. A lot of their lineup, it's hard to predict uh, with who they have and uh, what, what they've been successful with. But you've got some prime hitters. Uh, Ivan Tony is probably the most famous out of all of them, uh, being a, the top championship goal scorer last year. Uh, he's been fantastic uh, for them and been a major part of their ability to get promoted alongside their mainstay success uh, currently. So then you've got Brian Lubueno, who's right off of him as the second striker. Uh, you've got Sergi Canos, who's a slippery wing player. And then you've got Pontus Janssen, who is just that no-nonsense center back who elevates the game of the players around him. Uh, it's going to be tough. And fortunately, though, uh, with Salisu's red card, we'll, we'll have him back. We'll allow us to, you know, man- maneuver around the, the, the right back situation, uh, alongside pairing Salisu, like I said, that no nonsense guy, uh, on our, on our team to match up head to head and hopefully, uh, take out any threats that Mobueno and Tony have. Right. Okay. Uh, predictions then, guys. Um, Tim, I'm going to let you go first because I'm nice. Well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. And <clears throat> with them, with Brentford just having won in the FA Cup yesterday against Port Vale away, that Bombueno did game play. Yeah, he scored a hat trick, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, Bombueno just yeah he scored a hat trick with the third goal being the, a penalty. But well, I think it's going to be a tough one. I think it's either going to be looking for a draw again or a positive for us. Uh, I'm gonna, if I had to choose, I think it's gonna be, I'm gonna take a 2-1. No, I'm gonna take a 3-1 win. I think we're gonna be able to, uh, step wow. in and really capitalize on our, on our success here with the Swansea game. Three home goals, sorry, at St. Mary's. That's not happened this season. So yeah, that's, um, I'd, I'd take that. I would. Um, Kevin, do you wanna go next? I will. Sorry, did he say 3-1? He did. <clears throat> that's interesting. Um, I do think we're gonna have another home win. But I think it's going to be a little bit closer at two-one to the scan. That's exactly what I've gone for. Okay. Um, do do I change? Do I change? I do believe it's going to be two-one to Saints. So yeah, I'm I'm going positive. So we're all going positive here. Oh, actually, apart from Alex, Alex is going for a one-one. Oh. Um, and uh, Marina, uh, Marina, Jem, Abby, and Caitlin, uh, what are they going with? Well, I'm going to get Jemma uh, out of the way first because she's obviously going for her nil-nil. Did you ask her? I did ask her. I've asked her for both of them. <laughs> and I she said to her, for both. I, yeah, she did. But I did say to her, look, I'm going to have to get you on the show and you're going to have to tell them your prediction because they do not believe me that I'm asking you every week because I am. Okay, I'll believe you. I'm not being lazy, I promise you. She's saying nil-nil. Okay, uh, what, about, what about Marina? What's she going with? Um, she says 2-0 uh, to the scum. 2-0 to the scum, right. Uh, she... And Abby? 1-1. One, one. I can see that, to be honest. Yeah, when I when I was looking at the 2-1 and Kev said it, I was thinking about changing it to a draw, but I want to stay positive. Um, so I'm going to go, yeah, 2-1 still. 1-1, one, one, Abby, fair enough. Uh, Caitlin is going 2-0 to Saints, same as Marina. No one's going for a Brentford win. No one is going for a Brentford win, which means it obviously is going to happen now, isn't it? 
Um, and good news. Well, I say good news. I mean, it could be bad. We, we play another game in the week. Uh, we play Wolves on Saturday, the 15th of January at three o'clock. Um, and that's at Molyneux. Uh, nickname of Wolverhampton Wanderers. The Wolves? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I loved how you jumped on that, Kev. I thought, you know, there was a bit of awkward silence there. I thought, do you guys really not know the nickname of Wolverhampton? No, the bit of, I heard nothing but awkward silence because there was a, a lag in the signal. Oh. Um, but yeah, if I did hear it in time, I would have said the Portuguese national team like I always do. <laughs> OK, uh, Tim, yeah, the third game in eight days, Wolves away. This is a, I mean, I've been looking at this one. They've picked up a bit now, haven't they? And they're a bit of a slow start. They're currently in eighth, just three points behind Man United. So that's great. And of course, that oh. devastating, sorry, Kevin. That was just my reaction. Yeah, exactly, right? Eighth. But, yeah. How are they still up there? Exactly, because, you know, they had that devastating and undeserved win at St. Mary's back in September. And that, that's still fresh in my mind. But at Molyneux, I don't think they've been that great. They've only won three. They've lost four and they've had two draws. Their first three home games of the season, they lost. And that was to Spurs, Man United and Brentford. But like I say, they have picked up since then. And they only lost to Liverpool, at, you know, since those first three. And that was only the last month. So, it, it, but it did. I mean, it's going to take a while for a new manager to come in because they've had um, Nuno in for a while. They've got Bruno in now. Uh, and it's going to take a while for him to implement, the, you know, his print on the team. And that's what it's done. But they've done well since. And, and you know, they're hard to score against. But on the plus side, you know, they, they don't score many either. And if you have a look at their last few games, right, this is interesting because since December the 1st, they drew 0-0 with Burnley. They lost 1-0 to Liverpool. They lost 1-0 to Man City. They won 1-0 over Brighton, 0-0 with Chelsea, and they beat Man United 1-0. So it's either 1-0 or 0-0. They don't score a lot. They don't concede a lot. So Gemma's prediction at 0-0 could actually happen, you know. Yeah. That's interesting, I thought. They don't score a lot, but, you know, they don't concede a lot. And if you're only conceding, I mean, Liverpool 1-0, Man City 1-0, Chelsea 0-0, and beat Man United 1-0, that's fucking incredible. They have turned it around. That is why they're up to eighth. They're doing what they're doing. They're doing well. Do you agree with me, Tim? It goes beyond December 1st. When you're looking at it, they've scored 14 goals and have 14 goals against. It's 28 points in the amount of games that they've played is ridiculous because they've scored nearly, you know, point and a half per game. Uh, in terms of points, mm-hmm. which is unheard of because they're scoring more, po- you know, they've got significantly amount more points than they do goal, just goals scored, which. That's crazy. And to me, you know, they're, that, that record is also, they're the best at it, but they're also the worst at it because that's not necessarily the best stat to have because all of a sudden they leak out a few goals here and there and they can't score anything. Then they're really actually punching above their own weight with what their performance is showing. It's a good point. So to me, that's just, you know, a testament to their defense that they're, they're stout. Jose Sa is a great signing. He's an upgrade over Rui Patricio on the season. So to me, uh, I mean, you want to give them props, but they've, they're absolutely at their peak, which is why when you say eighth place and you're surprised, yeah, to me, that's, 
that's not nearly as good as uh, their eighth place record is not is way well above where they should be at based on their performances with the just the baseline statistics of goals and goals against. I think also what you've got to think about is the fact that they've had uh, Raul Jimenez coming back from that horrific um, skull fracture. Um, and there's a little bit of uncertainty around Adama Traore at the moment as well, because there's talk about him moving to Spurs. If they do, if they are to lose him, then I think, you know, what you said about them not being able to score a lot and them conceding more is going to come to fruition, I think, because, yeah, they, w- without a key player like Adama Traore. Now, I know he's not had the greatest of seasons, but if you lose a player that's that important for the team... The only way is down, I'm afraid, unless they bring in a significant replacement. And I don't see that happening with Wolves. So Traore, if you look at his actual goals and assists and, you know, direct line contributions, it's not, it's not there. It's his bulk progression that he's talked, that they're talking about and and looking at and bringing forward. So they've been playing him and slotted him at right back, but that's still Nelson Semedo is their right, is basically their right wing back with their 3-4-3 setup. And then you've got eight Nori or Markel on the left side. Uh, it's those are those ball progression guys where you've got Ruben Neves as your holding midfielder, and then Matinho, who's having a fantastic year as that six eight ten kind of hybrid all over the place. Um, alongside Pudence, who kind of slides around. Trincao came over from Barcelona this year. Uh, and then you, you said Jimenez. But they also signed Huang in the uh, in the offseason, was hoping that he could score a few goals. He scored two so far. And to me, uh, it's just crazy to think about because their attack is toothless, but their defense is stout. Um, we'll find out what's going on. They're playing – they're going to be playing at least when we're playing – casting right now uh they're playing against Sheffield United at home and they don't have a midweek game unlike us which does I forgot to mention who the key battle was against uh in the Brentford game it's also the same uh for the Wolves game it's COVID against everyone how is everybody (laughs) going to line up uh who's going to be in isolation who's going to be exposed um who's going to be in recovering and not necessarily back to 100 percent it's COVID versus everyone in this world, and that's not exclusive to the game, but it is uh, to these games and to, and to soccer in general, uh, but overall in, in life itself. So how will we line up? Who knows? But hopefully COVID, COVID decides. Will be back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how will we line up? I, I, hope, uh, I believe KWP will be back out of isolation, and let's just hope that he is able to get back into the swing of things. Um, but also Valerie will be back after his red card suspension against um, Brentford. So then you've got per, then you've got Perot, and if Tino does have a meniscus injury, which I'm happy to go off and talk about meniscus injuries in the future if we're able to hear more for more a more formal diagnosis. As number one, it's kind of what my background is in terms of education and knowledge, but also two is that Perot who's perfect personally lived through that experience multiple times. So lots of fun there. How will we set up? It's going to be Forster. Uh, we're going to have Salisu. I believe it'll be Perot and KWP alongside. Uh, we're going to probably look at Stevens. I think Bednarik will take a break because you've got that no-nonsense guy in Salisu, and then Stevens will pair up with that ball, ball progression, get things over the top against their pushing fullbacks in Eight Nori, Markal, or Markal, and if Traore is playing as right back or Semedo, um, I think there, once you can be able to counter and get that, uh, get that pushed. 
but it'll be really tough against their back three, who, like I said, is overproducing in terms of success. Uh, beyond that, JWP, Romeu, um, and then you're, it's kind of a crapshoot with the top four. Adams is in still in isolation. I think you're going to play – Brogia is going to have to play if he's fit and capable of at all points in time. We'll see how much of a rotation, though, they want uh, with Brentford. So I can't really even predict that top four. But let's hope uh, Shane Long comes in and scores that uh, scores another goal, and we can all say he's coming back, and this is he's back to it. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope I hope he he plays some part in this game because he fucking deserves it, and it's Brentford. So why not give him a fucking go, eh, Kev? Yes, give Long a chance. <laughs> okay, uh, predictions, Kevin. You're going first this time because I'm nice. Okay, bearing in mind that of all the games they've played so far this season. Uh, only six of them have involved more than one goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this um, is where this I, is where you're going to break it, right? Yeah, it's going to be seven three. No, I'm <laughs> I'm going for a nil nil draw. You're going for a nil nil draw, which I think would be a good result, to be honest. Uh, I think I think so. I think so too. Um, I'm going to go for a one nil win. Okay. But not to Saints. Oh. Yeah, I don't think we can we can score or. Uh, you just just break through in generally. I just think that they're going to do what they do uh, and do do what they do against Man United. And I mean, they, the last two games they've stopped Chelsea from scoring and they've stopped Man United from scoring. So I've got no no reason to believe that we're going to go in there and score there. So uh, yeah, I'm going to go one nil to Wolves, same as it was at uh, St Mary's. Um, and and Tim, what are you going with? One one. I do believe we will be able to score, but more so from the ability to counter press against them and finding those right uh, locations and be behind the fullbacks. And what does the Haasmeister say? He's going for a one nil win also, but to Saints. Hmm. The Exactly. So I've got a chance to pick up some points on everybody here because I'm the only one going for a Wolves win. So unlucky guys. But thanks for it. Um, and the, the wives, uh, as I said, Gemma's going nil-nil. Uh, but what about Marina? Um, she's surprisingly confident about this match, and she believes that uh, Southampton will emerge 2-1 victors. Ooh. She's going for a break in the uh, the one-goal cycle. Uh, and what about Abby? So for the first time, and as long as I can remember, uh, she's looking at the same prediction that I have, so 1-1. Okay. Um, Caitlin is also going 1-1, Kevin. Uh-huh. This is all recorded in the log of the wife was. Tim, that is it for this week. Uh, we will be needing your services again next week because we have Manchester City to preview. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. That's a typical American reaction. Ew. You've just Ew. done your preview. That's it. That's all you need. Um, right. Yeah. Okay, Tim. So we will chat uh, next week. Looking forward to it as always. Peace out. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the motherfucking Saints. Hi, I'm Matt Letitia, and thank you for listening to In That Number. Okay then, extra time, no pun intended. Um, predictions, then we'll start with them. Uh, from Swansea, uh, I had a Saints win, you had a Saints win, Alex had a Saints win, and Tim had a draw. So uh, two points for all of us, apart from Tim. Uh, so the scores after the Swansea game are me on 26, uh, Alex is on 12, Tim is on 19, 
And you are in the lead on 35, Kevin. So well done, you. Only buggering. Yes. Uh, wife Wars? Um, yes. Uh, no one got a correct result either from the Swansea game predictions or from the previous one that we did the predictions for, which was the Palace away game. Um, uh, I think everyone went for a Southampton win apart from Gemma. That's correct. She went for a nil-nil. Didn't uh, you, Gemma? Yes, I did. There you go. Did you hear that? Gemma is always um, going nil no. You heard it right from the horse's mouth. I'm not calling you a horse. <laughs> um, uh, but that does mean that, that Gemma did pick up two points for the prediction uh, against Palace. Well done, Gem. Yeah. As did Abby. Um, so that leaves Marina on 21, still in the lead. But um, moving up into second place now is Abby with 18, and Gemma is uh, 16 points equidistant between Abby and Caitlin on 14. Right, okay. Um, we also started this week uh, the Discord prediction, so I just want to, uh, to go through the results of that. Again, we all had uh, Saints wins apart from Tim. Uh, so, yes, so two points to Colt, two points to Alex, two points to me, two points to Tony Mears, two points to Kevin, two points to Scott, and at the bottom of the league, Tim, with zero. It's early. We started it this year. So, you know, that, that that's going to change. Um, and don't forget, you Discord listeners, don't forget to put your predictions for uh, Brentford and Wolves on the Discord predictions channel. Uh, and Super 6, then, we've got uh, four rounds to go through. Uh, round 28 was won by Jean Tequin with nine points. Round 29, right. <laughs> this has got to be a first. Freddie from the Ugly Inside, Bradley Lloyd, Tom Hennigan, Kevin Jewell, Andrew Knight, Steve Martin, not the Steve Martin, uh, and Jeff Stelling all had nine points. So a tie there. A six-way the, tie. No, a seven-way tie, excuse me. The Jeff Stelling. It is the Jeff Stelling, yes, but it's not the Steve Martin. <laughs> uh, round 30 uh, was won by Colin Carter with 12 points. Uh, and round 31 was yesterday's FA Cup ties, and that was a joint win by, uh, by Dan Buck and James Mitchell with 13 points, leaving your overall lead, still Colin Carter, on 272 points. Uh, Kevin, I'm, I'm not going to bother with Fantasy Premier League because there was no Fine. Premier League, so um, we can just skip that. Can we? Wait. I'll give you a quick summary. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think much has changed. Um, Oliver Boyce, uh, Freddie Hunt and uh, Matt Markson are the best podcasters. Uh, in December, though, uh, I managed to amass 349 points, which is more than anybody else by quite a fine margin. So I'm, I'm catching up. I'm still shit. Don't you worry. I can see um, why you wanted to add this. <laughs> yes, it's very essential that I squeeze that in. Um, I only found that out a few minutes ago. So there you are. Um, why we, why, why we, why we, why, why me, why not David Phillips, um, uh, top uh, 1,388 points, uh, Bobby Brown's Magic Saints, 1345, and Harco, someone else, Nottingham Forest, 1337, nothing changed there. But I will award the manager of the month for December. I just missed out on the top three by two points. Um, but. You're going to award it to yourself? No, third place, Dan Buck. Very good December, 351 points. Uh, Fred Ehrman's only crawls and horse. I don't really get that. Uh, 352 <laughs> points. And uh, top is a team that looks like it's called Are You Running? Uh, a bit with loads of diacritics. 
by someone who calls themselves Nemesis. I'm sure you've got a great career as a dubstep DJ. But uh, yeah, 361 points means you are the manager of month for December. Bitchin'. Right, uh, Russian phrase this, I was gonna say this week, but it's probably this month. <laughs> yeah, this month's Russian phrase <laughs> is, uh, neither a phrase or Russian. Okay, so what is it? Dobrodoshli. Dobrodoshli. And that means welcome, it, but in Serbian. Oh, it's in Serbian? Mm. Wow. Okay. So both right, as it's not perfectly correctly known. Um, I'll give you one more, um, very quick phrase, just because I think it's it's quite interesting. Um, Sex scandal. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. The 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 Serbian for CIA sex scandal is uh, <laughs> that one. Yeah. Dragomia, and that means. Uh, that means uh, pleased to meet you. In Serbian, yeah. It's Serbian, yeah. But the, the those two words do have the same root, but dragon and. Uh, Drago. Okay, so Drago. how would you, how would you say dragons den in in Russian? In Russian, uh, this is a weird thing because the the name of the series, the UK one, right? Dragons den. Mm-hmm. Dragons don't live in a fucking den. They they live in a lair, don't they? That's true. Yeah, I've never understood lair. that I myself. Lions live in a den, right? That's why Millwall's uh, grounds called that, right? Mm-hmm. So do you want me to mistranslate it, or do you want me to? To, um, to correct it or just literally translate it? Just literally translate it because that's what the show's called, even though it's it's, it's wrong. Okay, so yeah, um, I go with um, Logova Dragana. Logova Dragana. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, yeah, reminder, uh, buy me a coffee uh, if you appreciate what we do and feel like you'd like to buy us a pint. Uh, please head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. Uh, and next week we'll be discussing both Brentford and Wolves games from the week and we will preview that Manchester City game. Um, so until then, up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Southampton. Podcast Network.